Oi, how are ya? It's Aiden Jones. I was going to make a noise. I was going to scream or something. I, you know, I, I was going to, and I was like, you don't need to do that. Just fucking talk to the people. How are ya? How are ya? Hello. Oi, it's Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 21st of November, 2023. But today's Monday, the 20th. And you know what? Today is six years to the day since I started this podcast. How about that, man? I just listened to the first, like, three minutes of the first... Like, one minute of the first one. I sound so young. My voice sounds so young. I can hear, like, the insecurity in my voice or, like, how uncomfortable I am talking into the microphone in my room. Um, Also, one of the first things I said was that it's still hot in Melbourne. And... um, Monday the 20th of November 2023, it's not hot in Melbourne, and you know what that means, climate change is bullshit, fucking the earth's actually getting cooler, the sun doesn't exist, we're in a simulation, (laughs) Joe Rogan's my dad, (laughs) let's all go hunt some fucking elk, dude, let's go, let's go by crossbows, fuck yeah man, wouldn't that be better, just a crossbow, and go shoot some fucking hippies blocking bridges. Coal power. Coal power. Fuck, that's funny. See, instead of saying why it's coal and you put the same fist up. Coal power. Anyway, yeah, no, global warming's fucked. It's not real. Um, <laughs> six years, dude. Six years I've been doing this podcast. Um, I'm very proud of myself for sticking with it. I was at the pub on Friday night. Uh, Friday night, Saturday night after my gig, I did a gig at Speakeasy and then I went and met up with some friends at the pub and we were having beers and we started talking about pods. I was like one of the guys, uh, Huey has a podcast with Zach Dyer called Feed'em Bra, which I've never listened to. And you know what? I should listen to it because those guys are funny and I bet it's good. Um, and I asked them about that cause they're on some network now. Fucking, I don't give a fuck, man. <laughs> But whatever, they're doing something. And uh, and then someone was like, how's your pod going? I think Huey was just like, how's your pod going, mate? And I was like, well, you know, <laughs> my diary. Yeah, it's going good, man. Six years. And like, I guess I'm harsher on myself than anyone else is going to be. Because I was ready for people to be like, yeah, fucking good on you, loser. Um, and I mean, you know what? If If, if the right people were there, they probably would have. <laughs> but it just so happened that the arrangement of people who were around the table <laughs> weren't in the mood to hang shit on me. And uh, and so they were like, man, that's so cool. Six years, good on you. Wow. I was like, yeah, I haven't missed a week. And they were like, wow. And that was it. You know, we moved on. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I haven't done this for six years and keeping a journal and thank you if you've been listening for a while. And if you've only just started listening, get fucked. You're not welcome. <laughs> Switch it off right fucking now, cunt. It's not for you. <laughs> Who is it for, Aiden? It's a great question. It's barely for me. Nah, I love it. I'm happy to be here doing it. Man, you know what I want to talk about this week? I went to the fucking sickest art exhibition thing. 
I don't know. I mean, I would call it up, but it was just magic. I went on, on, how about this? I went on Wednesday and then I didn't have time to finish it. So I went back on Thursday to Relics, A New World Rises, which I met this dude in um, Reykjavik in July at the Fringe there through some other performers who I met. He was the partner of one of the performers in this show. And uh, we got chatting. I was like, what do you do, man? You know, you're not in the show or whatever. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm like an installation artist. I was like, that's cool. What's going on with that? And he was like, well, me and my friend won Lego Masters, the TV show. And so now we've got an exhibition coming to the Melbourne Museum. And I was like, that's fucking awesome. And uh, yeah, they were saying, so what they do is they put Lego, the narrative is, Humans have died out. It's 500 years in the future and the Lego people are taking over spaces that humans created but have vacated because we've become extinct. So like the one that he pitched me was they put it inside an old Volkswagen Beetle and like the Lego people have created their city in the front of the Beetle and then they're using the engine which is at the back to power their city and they've turned it into like a power station. Um. And I was just like, when I heard that, I was like, that sounds sick. I'm absolutely going to go. And I've been meaning to go for ages, man. I keep seeing it. Um, Like the Melbourne Museum, it's there. I was talking to my mate the other day. We thought about going, but like it was too late in the day or whatever. It was too late in the day. (laughs) Wow, that yawn just went away as soon as I started singing. Magic. I need to relax, man. I need to chill. You know what I've done for myself today is a little treat. HelloFresh have been sending me teas when I order my box of HelloFresh. And uh, they're pretty good. They're Dilma. Too hot. Way too hot. Come on. Don't fucking let's not kid ourselves. That's way too hot. But uh, I've put my, i put Earl Grey. I've given myself a nice Earl Grey and vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> I love Earl Grey. Come on. <laughs> Come on, dude. I love it. I really I love Earl Grey. It's so delicate and dainty as an experience. So I go to um I go to this exhibit. I finally found the time on Wednesday. And the sessions are only 15 minutes. Like you book a ticket and it's like you know, 4 till 4.15, 4.15 till 5. So I was like, oh, you just have a little walk around. I get in there. There's 12, the Volkswagen Beetle, that's one. There's 12 of those. So they've put Lego worlds in 12 different like items, you know? And each thing has its own narrative that has to do with like the first one is a bookshelf and it's like it used to belong to some like great scholar And the Lego people have uh, become like their worlds have kind of developed around the knowledge because they the the four shelves of books are ordered that what was it like medicine art fucking maritime history and medieval history and um, the Lego people's worlds on like the medieval history shelf they've built like a little castle and in the medical history shelf they've made like you know a hospital whatever that's the level of detail that's one that's one exhibition that 
And that's the level of detail that goes into fucking all of them. And you get a little sheet. Oh, I, feel, I don't know how... <laughs> I already feel like, is this interesting? You get a little sheet of like each world has questions. Like the bookshelf one, it was like, what character... No, what artist is exhibit, is exhibiting in the little art gallery in the art shelf area? And you go there and it's fucking Andy Warhol because you can see the little Technicolor prints like Marilyn Manson, but instead of Marilyn Manson... Oh, sorry, Marilyn Monroe's face. Instead of that, it's... I can't remember if it was his face or whatever it was, but it's like, oh, that's Andy Warhol. Look at that. And there's all stuff happening. And the boys who did the exhibition have put themselves as Lego characters, hidden themselves in each world. So there's like, I'm spending fucking 10, 15 minutes at each spot looking for all the different things, finding the stuff, enjoying it. So when I first went there on Wednesday, I was organized. I organized to meet a mate at 5.30 for dinner and uh so i had to leave at like 4 45 so i got there at four and i was like man i did like four i was like there's no way i'm gonna have time to do all of this i gotta come back tomorrow it costs 30 bucks i paid again (laughs) that was fucked i was so annoyed because i fucking i saw the 15 minute session time and i was like yeah sick i'll but I had the whole afternoon. So I was like, oh, go see a fucking movie at the IMAX, whatever. The IMAX offers you like $10 tickets if you get a ticket to something at the museum. So I was like, I'll go and see fucking Under the Sea, whatever that is, you know, at the IMAX. And uh, I went so Under the Sea. It was boring as fuck. I wanted to sleep. I mean, it was whatever, you know, like it's just 3D like dolphins and stuff for 45 minutes. I was like, yeah, that's fine. If you go... If, you, if you're like a primary school teacher and you want to kill an hour before your bus comes to go back to school, but not if you're a 32-year-old man looking for nourishment and spiritual awakening, you know? I don't know. I wasn't really that into it. I almost fell asleep in the cinema. And then I get to Lego and I realize how long it's going to take. And I'm like, fucking if I knew this was like a three-hour thing, I would have just done that. Oh, how have I found a way to be angry? It was wonderful, magical. Oh my God, I loved it. It makes me sick how much I loved it. (laughs) It makes me want to cry. Just all the little people and the way you can see the hours of painstaking work that's gone into arranging it. And then at the like three quarter mark, when you're on the home stretch and you know there's only a few more. there's only a few more exhibition thingies left there's a little area with a bin full of like you know loose lego bits and they're like you can make your own stuff and you go there and you fucking try and you're just like what the fuck am i gonna make like it's too much it's i didn't i couldn't make anything i was like how did they just gave me a new appreciation for how hard like what were the other ones there was uh one inside a grandfather clock and it was like they created the lego people like evil lego people had created a time machine and started going back in time and stealing things from the past and then the good lego people were trying to shut down that 
and that was and that was all happening inside a grandfather clock and there was like a portal that opened up to like you know behind the portal was like green and like a t-rex's head they did that with lego are you fucking kidding me they did one that was three different arcade machines all linked up next to each other and the lego people were like exploring space they were like space stations Oh, there was a, one in an ATM and it was like a bank, a Lego bank. There were one inside a bunch of TVs and it was a TV studio and they were making TV shows. Ah! It was incredible, man. It just inspired me as well. Like the thing, you know, the show that I'm working on, right? When I walked in there and I could see how much effort went into this thing and how rich it was with depth. And there was so much to get from it that you could go and see it again and like see different stuff. Or It's not just on the surface of like what you see is just that and you walk past it. It really, because there was so much care and effort put into it, it made me want to stop and like really go slowly and take it in and enjoy it. And that's exactly the kind of thing that I want to make somehow even though the thing that i make is by the nature of it only it it lasts for an hour that's just what it is it's like a you know it's a set amount of time the experience but i would love to make something that when people see it when they walk into the room they can feel the effort and everything that went into it and then also when they see it and when it ends they kind of are like i want to show that to someone else like of just how great that was. And I don't really know what feeling I want people to leave with. Like I want them to be, I guess, uplifted and and touched and feel like they kind of are connected to me and I want to feel connected to them. I don't know that I want people to be angry. I don't know that this is a political show or that I necessarily need people to be fired up or whatever. I just want to show them a bit of my life. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't really know what, like, when I left the Lego thing, I just felt like I'd experienced some kind of everyday magic, you know, as, uh, as, as lame as that sounds or like trite or whatever, but it just, it was, man, it just was something that made me want to stop and take a deep breath and just relax. And, um, I guess also like looking at, how much care was taken with it it made me think about how slowly and methodically and just how much care was taken by the people who made it and it made me it put me in that same kind of headspace and like energy so oh yes oh the tea the tea brother the tea so yeah, I, uh, I did that on Wednesday and then Thursday. Wednesday night, I saw Sam Marill. Got free tickets to Sam Marill off of um, off of promo ticks, which was you know he played at the Palais. Man, I'm really finding it interesting noticing how split down you know gender lines or sex lines, but whatever stand up is. Because I went and saw Sam Marill and a lot of the people who I meet who are stand-up fans are men and Sam Marill is one of the kind of stock people that, 
you know, if a guy is into stand-up at the moment, they probably listen to your mum's house and Tuesdays with Stories and, you know, they know Burt Kreischer, they know Bill Burr um, and then the Sam Marill, uh, Mark Norman, Joe List, you know, the New York guys. That's like a part of it. There's like a kind of whole like comedy cinematic universe, right? Um, but then also last week or the week before, um, Catherine Cohen came to Melbourne and it was like that, it almost feels like there's comedy for men and comedy for women. As weird as that is to say, it just, I've, I've been really trying to think about this and understand why. Cause I guess like comedy by the nature of what it is, is one person showing you how they view the world. And so inevitably, the people who are going to connect most with that comedy are going to be the people who share more experience with that person. So if you're a straight white man, your comedy is going to connect with straight white men. And if you're uh, like a straight white woman, your comedy is going to connect with straight white women and extrapolate from that, whatever. But it almost feels like there's... I mean, I would, I, I would have liked. I didn't even know that Catherine Cohen was coming. I didn't even know Sam Rill was coming. But the guys in the group chat that I'm in were like, "Hey, Sam Rill's coming, and tickets are free." And I was like, "Well, I'm not going to buy a ticket, but I'll get a free ticket. Fuck yeah, why not?" And that was the only reason I went to Sam Rill. And then I told some friends and whatever. But um, maybe I should just keep my eyes and ears peeled and to the ground, respectively for the next big female comic or just comic that's not a straight man um, that comes to Melbourne and maybe I should go along because I'd be interested to see what it is, you know, like they obviously have the same set of skills but they're just applying it to a different worldview and so different people go. I wonder if the show would feel different. I wonder if it's a different kind of show. I was talking with my housemate about this the other day and about how stand-up comedy because... Like, why is it? Why is it such a male-dominated industry? I reckon a part of it might be because traditionally, and even now, women just have less disposable income than men. And because of that, there's a less of a market of, of women to consume comedy. And so the comedy that's targeted or that's going to be enjoyed more by women suffers because the people aren't there to enjoy it. So there's not as big of a market. So the product just, do you know what I mean? And therefore, because the market for comedy is more male than it is female, male performers or people performing for that audience thrive and develop. And then suddenly it's it's this idea that like, oh, comedy is just men are better at it. It's like, no, of course men aren't better at it. I also think about the way that Hannah Gatsby's Nanette was dismissed by so much of the quote-unquote comedy establishment, which is like Joe Rogan, you know, and whoever the fuck else keeps proclaiming that they are the be-all and end-all authority on what's good and what's funny. I fucking hate the way Joe Rogan just proclaims Joey Diaz is the funniest human being on the planet or, you know... Dave Chappelle is the greatest comedian. It's like, what the fuck are you talking? Oh, God, I hate Joe Rogan. Whatever. 
What am I talking about? <laughs> what the fuck am I talking about? Getting all worked up. Anyway, back into it. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is, yeah, yeah. I, I hate the way that so much of the establishment dismissed Hannah Gatsby's Nanette as being like not comedy because it didn't conform to what their idea of comedy is. I mean, I guess you could argue that the idea of comedy has to be laughs first and foremost. The, 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 the base idea is that you've got to go for laughs, but I don't know, man. I mean, maybe we're talking about two different things, but like, I think for me, comedy is like, it's a monologue but there's no fourth wall. So you interact with the audience and then the audience feeds into the performance and the performance is dynamic and changes based on feedback or like, you know, the, the, like the input from the audience, not necessarily in terms of the content, but like the energy, the performer responds to the audience's energy rather than just presenting something for the audience to enjoy passively. Um, and part of how you get an audience's attention is you make them laugh. But I don't think the making them laugh is necessarily the be all and end all. It can be, and that's one way to approach it, but I don't think that's the only way to approach it. But it kind of sounds like nonsense if you just go, you know, comedy isn't necessarily about being funny because I guess the way, you know what? fucking let me i told myself i wasn't going to use my phone here but here we go comedy comedy ancient greek like where does the word comedy come from ancient greek comedy shut up ancient greek comedy was one of the final three principal dramatic forms of theater conventionally divided into three periods old middle and new blah 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 yeah but what are the comedy is a representation of laughable people and involves some kind of blunder or ugliness which does not cause pain or disaster, okay? Um, and Trippinus wrote that comedy is the last of the great species of poetry Greek gave to the world. So Aristotle wrote, comedy is a representation of laughable people that involves some kind of blunder or ugliness which does not cause pain or disaster. Which is, uh, right, so like a fool. I'd just, I'd be interested to study... I guess there's this argument that comedy has to be funny. But I don't know that it does. I don't think it has to be funny. I don't think stand-up necessarily has to be funny. I think that's one take on it. And this whole thing of like, no, no, it's not funny, so it's not comedy. It's like, you know what? Fuck you, man. Ugh. I, I, I didn't like personally connect with Nanette that much. It was good, you know. But like, it didn't make me cry. It didn't, it wasn't, but it's not for me. It's for people who have felt the way she felt, which is clearly very angry and disempowered and frustrated at the state of the world. And um, for that, and the fact that it connected with so many people, it is a success, whatever it is. And then like these guys just going, oh, it's not comedy. It's like, it's a moot point whether or not it's comedy. You're just saying that because you want to belittle it. That's literally what that is. Why am I so angry today? What's fucking going on? I'm in a good mood. I don't know if I'm in a good mood. I mean, I'm 
Clearly, I'm grumpy about something. Something's in my fucking bonnet. You know what? Oh, God, see, listen to how, like, I'm even just, I'm all over the road right now. Six years, man. This is supposed to be a happy moment for reflection and calm. <sighs> I've noticed myself this week catching myself. I was doing a few years ago when I first started comedy. I remember I was going through this one breakup that was really tough at the start of the first lockdown, 2020. And uh, I would keep just thinking of the girl and the bad breakup that we had. And I just, I kept spiraling. Like I, the thought would come up and I would start arguing with her in my head and having discussions and I would go for ages and I would get so upset and I would think like, oh, I want a messenger. Like I would start formulating messages for her in my head. And the way that I started to realize that I could get out of it and what's helped me in all kind of conflicts and even just in bad moods and stuff ever since is um, rather than feed into the thought, it's something I guess I've learned from meditation when I notice the thought coming up to just go, oh, there it is. And it's like, I remember the Headspace app, that guy, uh, Andy, Headspace Andy, he <laughs> with his fucking calming voice prick. He would say, notice the thought with the lightness of a feather touching on like a bubble of air, or something, something fucking lame like <laughs> A feather touching on a bubble. Who has a feather? Fuck off. <laughs> nah, it's really helped me actually. <laughs> Notice it with the lightness of a feather touching on a little bubble. <laughs> Wham! And then you just fucking punch him in the back of the head. Yeah, how's that for a feather, you fucking English cunt? <laughs> oh, talk more, more like feather weight. All right. So, um, I've been noticing this week a bit of that, a bit of just like the the voice, the spiraling kind of coming in and I've been able to catch myself. I've noticed my ride to work to the depot for removals. Normally, if I just kind of let my mind wander, I'll get three. It's about a 30-minute ride and I'll get about three of like riding along, listening to music, focusing or noticing the music and just enjoying myself and then my mind will kind of wander into this like what's the word it's like uh it's like angry or frustrated kind of place and uh and then I start to spiral a little bit and then I go oh there it is and I can laugh about it and that noticing it like that like the little feather allows me to move on and I do, yeah, about three of those in a half hour, which is a lot. It feels like a lot. So I don't know if I'm in a bad mood or what. But I just, you know what I just did? This tour guide job is proving to be quite the undertaking in terms of the training and everything. But I feel slowly, slowly I am getting there. And just now I went on another training drive with my boss. Oh, you know what? The title of the podcast this week is going to be Like a Little Feather. 
like a little feather, eh? Beauty. Um, yeah, I just went on another training drive with my boss and now tomorrow I'm going to do the drive with people in the truck or in the, in the bus along the Great Ocean Road. So I'm not giving the tour. There'll be someone else there, but I will be doing most, if not all of the driving. We'll see. It's more of a just like, let's see how I do with it and whether I can take that much driving. But that's the next step. That's the next step. And I'm not going to push myself too hard. If I can't do it tomorrow, I can't do it. But I'm going to try and do the whole day. And if I can do the whole day, shit, that means I'm almost ready to fucking do my my full like examination drive and be like completely, you know, trained up. And then that's one of my three projects that I'm working on right now is become a fully trained tour guide. And all that's left then is to do five. I've given myself the task to do five Great Ocean Road trips. And once I've done that five by myself, then I'm saying that's me done and that's the end of that project. I'm settled in at the job and, and blah, 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 blah. And I can just get moving. I don't know when that's going to be done. Maybe maybe by the end of the year, that'd be kind of cool, but I'm not going to push myself if it gets done when it gets done. Maybe it's January or whatever. But uh, the drive felt good today, man. I'm feeling more confident driving the bus and I'm excited. I'm excited for that. So what else have I got to say? How are you guys doing? Is your week going okay? What is it? Monday? Did you have a nice weekend? Did you get fucking lit up, dude? Did you get lit up? Did you have a little light up on the weekend? Did you smoke a bit of meth, did you? Huh? Smoke a bit of the fucking glass Barbie, mate. I did a gig on Saturday night, like I was saying at Speakeasy. Oh, you know what I did on fucking Friday, actually? Last week, I had very few gigs booked in. I had one on Tuesday, I'm seeing Catfish. And other than that, I did. I went to San Marillo on Wednesday. Thursday, tried to book some gigs, but didn't end up getting anything. And uh, so Friday, Friday, Friday. <laughs> I wish I could stop yawning. I wish there was some injection that I could get. Friday night, I... Uh, went down to the cellars in St Kilda and took my piano, my keyboard. I bought, oh, fucking, I went on, I think it was Thursday to um, this piano warehouse. I think it was Thursday in North Melbourne um, to, uh, I was like, I'm going to need a case for my piano, right? If I'm going to take it to places. I've just decided in the last week, this is a new bit of progress with the show. If I'm going to have a great show and have it be tested in stand-up environments, I'm going to need to start taking my keyboard to open mics. And I think that's something I've been avoiding because I thought I could just write the jokes and then, you know, put the piano in, but it's, it's not possible i can't do it it needs to be integrated and if i'm fully going to integrate it into the act i need to take the piano to every gig that i do so i've got the piano i bought a case and i went to this fucking piano shop man what was it called the australian piano warehouse and these fucking salesmen sales i fucking hate a salesman almost as much as i hate joe rogan 
They're the same person. This fucking salesman actually 100% listened to Joe Rogan, I reckon. I reckon. I wrote a joke about how... Uh, I think this might be a good joke. How... Because um, I go in there and I'm like... I was looking for a piano case, right? And I didn't know if I was going to buy something then and there. And he goes, what kind of piano you got? And I was like, this one. And he goes, yep. Talked a bit of crap about my piano. He was just, his whole thing was just like belittling me, you know? Like I went in there and I was like, he goes, what kind of keyboard do you have? No name. And I was like, oh, and he goes, is it a like a Casio or a Yamaha or a whatever the third one was? I was like, no. Nah. He's like, then it's a no name, mate. I'm sorry, but it is. I'm like, all right, man. Sure. What like you know already he's just like trying to put me on the back foot and then he goes and grabs this one and he just started saying numbers like he i told him the one and and he was like oh, i don't know he tried to correct me he's like is it this model and i was like no nah, here's the photo he's like i've never seen that before i'm like all right man well it exists because i've got a photo of it so go fuck yourself oh, i am in a bad mood <laughs> so he goes and grabs the case and um, and brings it back. And then he just was like, I was like, how much is that? And he was like, yeah, 450. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm obviously not going to get that because I only paid 300 bucks for my whole thing. And, then, and he was like, yeah, obviously you're not going to pay more than that. And then he goes, right, 100. And then he just types it into the card reader and just puts it in front of me. And I'm like, Hold up, dude. What the fuck is happening? You just said 450 and now you said 100 and you just got this thing here. You haven't even taken it out of the bag for me to look at. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just going to look at this before I fucking pay 100 bucks for it. And I was like, is it going to fit the stand? And he goes, nah. And I'm like, all right, well, then maybe it's no good. Maybe I'll take it home and I'm going to try and put the stand in it. And if that doesn't fit it, then I'll bring it back. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, imagine that. Like, if it doesn't work, like, if it does the thing that it's supposed to do, but you reckon it doesn't work. Like, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I explained that very well. Like I said, you know, if it's no good, like, if it doesn't work for what I want it to do, I'll bring it back. And he was like, just trying to get me on some semantic bullshit. Like, going, oh, yeah, imagine if it's a piano case and it carries your piano, but you said it doesn't work. Like, that wouldn't make sense, would it? And I'm like... You're being obtuse, man. It literally would make sense based on what I just said, which is that if it doesn't work for what I want it to do, oh, I fucking hated the cunt so much. But anyway, through the chat, I'm like, yeah, I'm a comedian. I'm like, you know, taking the piano out to my gigs and stuff. And he goes, what kind of comedy do you do? And I'm like, oh, you know, I tell stories. And he's like, are you doing a bit of like comedy songs? And this is what I'm trying to write. Maybe this is actually helpful to remember that this is the interaction that my bit was about. I'm trying to write a bit about how what I'm doing is not musical comedy. I'm not doing comedy songs. I'm doing music and comedy and they're separate and they're not together. Because every time I tell someone I'm playing piano and I'm doing comedy, they're like, oh, like comedy songs. Or, or like, or no, they're like, what kind of comedy do you do? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm playing Chopin's Nocturne in E flat major and telling stories about my life and, you know, meeting my biological father at 28 and, and all this stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah. And this is what he goes. He was like, oh, but, but it's funny. It doesn't sound very funny. And uh, what I want to say is like, yeah, man, that's a common misconception, actually, 
that comedy has to be funny because you and I both know comedy is not about being funny. Comedy is about hating on trans people. Man, now that I say it out loud, it's not that funny. But basically, what I'm saying is if you... I don't know, man. That's not... The, the show is clearly not for you if you're like, doesn't sound very funny. It's like, well, that's because this isn't the fucking show, man. This is a conversation that we're having. <laughs> this is a conversation. <laughs> the reason it doesn't sound very funny is because you're not at the show. You're at a conversation that I'm having with a fuckwit. <laughs> That's where we are right now. I'm in a piano store talking to a fucking idiot. <laughs> so yeah, guess it doesn't sound that funny. Maybe if you were smarter, I'd be having a better time and we'd be laughing a little. <laughs> now that's funny. <laughs> Oh, fuck. And you know what? As I left, I went, I, 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 I was also like, oh, can I play your nice pianos in here? And he rolled his eyes and went, yes. And then as I left, he was like, yeah, good luck with the comedy, mate. He was like, maybe I'll come and see you. And even as he started to be like, maybe I'll come and see you, his voice trailed off because he was just like, I know he was looking at me going, I'm never going to fucking see this cunt again. And I was looking at him going, I never am going to see this fuckwit again either, which is why I'm trashing him on my podcast right now like a big man. Um, I don't even need to write that down. That's funny though, right? Yeah, of course it doesn't sound funny because we're not at the show right now. Where we're at is me having a conversation with a fuckwit. <laughs> I'm better than you. <laughs> Oi. Anyway, so I uh, took the piano down on Friday to uh, to St Kilda Cellars, this open mic in St Kilda, and uh, set it up and did a bit of stuff. And it was scary. I mean, the scary part is like knowing that I'm taking this piano on the tram an hour each way on the tram and it's heavy and it's annoying and people are looking at me because I've got a big fucking case. And I'm struggling with it because I haven't figured out how to carry it yet. And I'm like, I've got five minutes. And if this doesn't go well, which eventually, inevitably, it's not going to. And when that happens, I'm just going to have a piano that I now have to take home for another hour on the tram. It's just a lot more investment of time and energy and money financially as well. The case cost a hundred bucks. The fucking... I bought on uh, yesterday, I bought a trolley from Bunnings so that I can wheel it around on the case rather than having to carry it because the case is shit, by the way. The case that you sold me, you fucking rat. The strap doesn't work at all, so you can't really carry it. So, yeah, I've had to buy a whole other thing. It's a whole setup. I've strapped it to the thing and ah, whatever, whatever. But I think that's going to be a part of the development of the show is to have the piano on me and go to places and then, like, have to go through the thing of setting it up and put that pressure on myself. And even just the embarrassment that I feel at coming to the promoter and being like, yeah, I've got the piano. So like, I don't know if you want to try and plug it in or what. <sighs> it's just something that I want to have to deal with in the creation of this show. But I think that's going to lead that pressure and that 
you know, that different energy of coming on stage with the piano will lead to me developing jokes and stories and material that kind of work with it. So that's good. <sighs> I think we're almost done here. What photos have I got for you? What photos have I got for you? What photos? You tell me you're not a musical comedian, Aiden. <laughs> here's another joke that i wrote that i actually think is good it's that i don't hate musical comedy i actually uh i i really admire them i think what they do is very it's a very difficult thing to write music and jokes and then put them together in a song that's catchy and funny and it's so hard in fact that no musical no musical comedian has ever managed to to achieve it successfully that's funny, right? Every musical comedian ever, you failed. You suck. <laughs> I think that's funny. I think that's funny. God, I'm on a fucking bomb tonight, aren't I? Jesus Christ, I can see it a mile off. Um, tonight I'm doing a, uh, a set down at the SP. Yesterday I also did the photos. Oh, yes. Yesterday I uh, had the photo shoot with my man, uh, Darren Keane for the poster for the new show i'm going to use the photo for work in progress and then i think around this time next year or like august july august next year i'm going to look for an artist to do like a an artistic rendering of the same photo and really go all out on a great poster that catches the eye and whatever but um we did the shoot yesterday man Turned the living room into a full studio, had the lights all set up, had me sitting at the piano, put plants all around the living room and just made it into a thing. And I am really excited about the way that these photos are going to look. I think they're going to look fucking awesome. And I think we've got some really good ones. So the behind the scenes shot of the photo shoot is going to be the image for the podcast this week. And the title of this episode is going to be Like a Little Feather. And you guys fucking rock. Fuck Joe Rogan. Fuck that cunt at the piano place. And fuck anyone who opposes me, Aiden Jones. I hope you're having a good week wherever you're at. Thanks for listening. It's been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.